To make it in cannabis, first you must dare to. 12 years ago, MJ BizCon dared to unite the global cannabis community, igniting a movement that continues to thrive. The wait is over. Let's grow together this November 28th through December 1st in Vegas. You'll hear incredible stories, see groundbreaking innovations, and forge connections you need to thrive in 2024. But wait, the clock is ticking. Get your tickets by September 28th and save up to $200. And here's a secret. Podcast listeners get 10% off with promo code 23POD10. Don't miss out. Get your tickets at mjbizcon.com. That's mjbizcon.com. It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. Today, we've got Yoko Miyashita. She's the CEO of Leafly. Yoko, thanks for being with us on The Talking Hedge. Thanks for having me here. I appreciate it. Yeah. So um, let's let's get into Leafly real quick. I want to talk to you about a couple of major industry events. I think you were in Vegas for Weed Week. Kind of want to get your recap, your take on that, what that means for the industry. Um but first, tell us a little bit about Leafly. There's maybe one of your other competitors. I don't know if you consider Weed Maps a competitor, but they just went public via SPAC. Maybe you can kind of explain what Leafly is or maybe what it will be um, to the audience. Go ahead. Yeah, we're the leading cannabis resource for consumers. And we really look at our mission as helping consumers discover cannabis. It started really as a strain database. And as you know, you know, cannabis is complex. And really for us, it's rooted in this mission of helping as many people discover cannabis, leveraging data and science as that develops. We all know that there's just so much information that's being uncovered in real time about this amazing plant. And for us, we're the guide, we're the journey, so to speak. And we take that content first approach, that education approach, and then help consumers make purchasing decisions through our marketplace. We connect them with the licensed retailers and brands nearest them offering products. So yes, about competition, what I would say is, yeah, I mean, you know, marketplaces, various different forms. Ours is really rooted in content first in education. And a lot of that education, I'm guessing, goes through the hands of bud tenders. And you guys have just announced something about a, a bud tender international day or something. I want to get into that. But first, let me go back to the industry as a whole and, and ask you about your opinion. Well, first off, did you get to Vegas? I did. But there's a little caveat here because okay. it was sort of a very last minute trip for us. We had originally planned a large activation, but really thinking through COVID and on Delta variant, we actually had canceled our activation, our booth there. Mm. So it was sort of one of these very last minute trips kind of running in circles back and back and forth just to do just to meet folks. And mm. I know we were supposed to meet. So I apologize for here we are <laughs> missing you in Vegas. Here we yeah. are. That's all right. Yeah, we yeah we had to reschedule. That's fine. Uh, based on your limited um, uh, duration down there, what were you able to gather? Were you able to? I mean, the, the conversations you had, maybe the things you saw. Was there anything that gave you kind of that aha moment of like, that's where I think the industry is going, or they have they don't belong here, <laughs> you know? Or was there anything you saw one way or the other that kind of gave you a a, a better perception of of the industry as a whole? You know, it's so hard. That was my first MJ VidCon. Okay. I had never been. So, you know, it's it's really hard without a basis for comparison. 
But I mean, what struck me was the event was huge, mm -hmm. right? Took up massive floor space. There were tons of people. And it's kind of like walking into a dispensary, all walks of life. To me, that's just that excitement and that um, just mass appeal of this magical plant. Like that's what I was struck by. And, you know, there was a ton of, um, the, it just gives you a window into how many different ways and avenues there are to access this industry, to participate in this industry. And I think that excitement, that palpable excitement was what was so striking to me, not having ever been. You like uh, like a first, you know, like um, somebody who's coming back to cannabis for the first time in, in a couple of decades when I go to MJ BizCon because I'm so taken back. It's like walking into a store and seeing 2000 SKUs and going, where do I start? You walk into MJ BizCon for anybody who hasn't been there at the Las Vegas Convention Center, the world's largest cannabis expo. You walk in and there's literally over a thousand booths. There's I think over a million square feet between where they were at and where the Hall of Flowers exhibit was. And then they, I think they said something like 27,000 plus people inside. That's not even counting all of the people outside who didn't pay to come in. So you're trying to kind of gather and see things and meet people, but it's incredibly overwhelming uh, and takes several days, I think, just to absorb it all. And that's just MJ BizCon alone. Now there's a whole this whole weed week where you've got MJ Unpacked. That's more about the retailers and brands, which I thought was very intimate and unique and interesting. I saw a lot of deal flow going on there, a lot of educating um, and a lot of interactions there. So it was, it was a good week. It's like the physical manifestation of what we report in our jobs report. 321,000 full-time jobs in cannabis as of our last count in 2020, right? Like that you see in real life when you see all of these people from different parts of the industry coming together. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people in the industry, but is it, um, well, let's get to the, the bud tenders thing. Um, so looks like you guys had uh, announced a contest to celebrate bud tenders on international yeah. bud tenders day. So I have to hire people. I would imagine is, is fairly challenging in, in this area. Um, and this is time frame right now. Um, and so kind of focusing on a, a key aspect of, of the industry that don't make a lot by comparison to some other folks. Um, tell us a little bit importance about bud tenders and why you chose to do this. You know, if you root this in what we are focused on really, which is consumer's guide, right? Being your consumer's companion, bud tenders are such an important part of that journey. One of the, one of my questions, when I, whenever I go into a dispensary, I love chatting with the bud tenders. And my first question is, all right, cause you're asking them, I don't, I, I'm not usually upfront about I work in the industry, but you want to just mm. get a sense of what they're going to recommend and hear how they're having conversations. And, you know, inevitably you ask, hey, where are you getting all your information from? Where are you doing all your comparisons? And for us, I just nine times out of 10, I hear Leafly, A, it's delightful, mm. but B, it just makes us realize how important they are, how much we have to partner together in terms of bringing this co amazing content that we have mm -hmm. and bringing it into the hands of the bud tenders who can help guide consumers through that discovery journey. People want to do it here on the site, but there's just such an important part of that ecosystem and have that influence. And it's also the make or break point for new consumers, right? Think about that experience of walking into a dispensary for the first time. I don't know what your experience is like, but I just remember the bright lights and just going, where do I start? 
um, that emphasis on the bed tender to your point, like, the, you know, probably one of the hardest and lower, lower paid jobs in the industry. And how do you make sure we're celebrating them because they pay such a key role in consumers discovery of cannabis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember walking into the, um, it was called the wormhole and it was a roaming um, medical shop. There's three different locations. And if you didn't know which one it was and you didn't know where to go, as if you forgot to ask and you went to the one they were at last time, they may not be there the next time. So definitely wasn't convenient. I remember asking, what is this RSO stuff? And um, yeah, there's just a, a lot of different things. I don't think I really knew much about CBD back in uh, 2005 or whenever it was that I was uh, helping a friend that had MS. But um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of questions. A lot of people don't really know what to do. And I think utilizing a resource like Leafly is the way to go. Um, you guys are also um, launching an in-app ordering for iPhone users. So you talked about getting knowledge in the hands of the bud tenders, and you're literally doing that uh, to for bud tenders and for consumers in general. Um, can you maybe talk a little bit about what that means, both for the consumers as well as the business side? Because you're getting a lot of data from that. And I'm curious what you're able to do or how you're able to utilize that as well? Uh, I love that question. In, in terms of iOS ordering, what maybe your listeners may not be aware of is the fact that you know the, the apps, both Google and Apple have had very um, shifting attitudes towards whether they allow ordering or not within the app. Mm. And it's been very difficult because mm. think about how we operate as consumers. What do we use? We use our phones. I mean, you know, how many people, uh, I make most of my shopping for any other product sort of sitting on my phone in an off moment, right? Like when you have a few minutes to yourself, you're researching on your phone. And I think that engagement of the consumer with the phone, it's such a critical channel in terms of shopping decisions and the inability to order through the app was literally cutting off consumer access to legal cannabis. That's our our view, right? And if you think about the legacy market, how are they transacting? So much of it is on the phone this, today. So think about that comparison. If this whole legalized industry's purpose and mission is to transition as much spend as we can out of the illicit into the licensed market, you got to be on parity. You got to be on parity with the, with the legacy market. They're on the phones. So for us being able Apple changing its policies earlier this year and allowing in-app ordering that's ground changing. Like for us, it's let us take you through the whole journey. And when we talk about our marketplace, it's the ability to do your research, to figure out what product's right for you, and then to be able to order that at a licensed store near you, right? It's that full journey that we we have been striving to to deliver to consumers, reduce that friction, make it as easy as possible. And that's what iOS in-app ordering allows us to do. Now, you asked a question about what are we learning about our consumers? And we, we see this, and this is one of the big things about being a content-first platform. We understand what consumers want. We know what their questions are. To your point, what is CBD? The ability to answer that question for consumers very early in their cannabis discovery, critical. But then you go further down the funnel, right? As you get further and more, more experience, what's RSO? right? Like the ability to answer that for a consumer when they've gone further down the, uh, is it a rabbit hole or is it sort of discovering the amazing complexity of this plant? 
But being able to do that and catch and meet consumers where they are, whether that's in the app, whether that's on our desktop or our plot, our website, that what we're learning is what consumers are interested in. Mm-hmm. And we learn that whether that's strains research, whether that's basic one-on-one questions, we understand what those emerging trends are. And ultimately for us, it's being able to take all of that and dial that back into the platform to make personalization and customization a core part of our value prop for consumers. If we're seeing you order consistently XYZ products, right? If you're a Blue Dream you know, strain person, like, and we see you consistently ordering that, what we can start to see is say, oh, Josh is really into Blue Dream. What we understand is the chemical composition from our lab data and strains database, Blue Dream has XYZ cannabinoids and terpenes. Let's match Josh to the next nearest strain, especially if you can't find Blue Dream in the store nearest him. So it is really about taking what we learn on the platform through data, but reinvesting that into consumer experiences. If you think about personalization, customization, and reducing friction in shopping. Do you have a, any opinion about some of the direct sales we're seeing in California bypassing some of the rec shops and what that in terms might- of, yeah, the DTC? I think it's a really interesting development in terms of what we've been watching this industry do and really struggle is to drive that brand recognition and that connection between the consumer and the brand. And I think that's an ongoing um trend and aspiration for brands to be able to reach that consumer. But I think you get there through ultimately what is brand? It's trust. And how do you develop that? And I think why I get so excited about Leafly's role in this ecosystem is that we're sort of that bridge for consumer trust. As brands continue to, it's hard to establish brand resonance in this industry. And there are a couple of Mm. barriers to that. You can't advertise through Facebook and Google, right? 85 cents on every advertising dollar goes to one of those two platforms. And those are, you know, shut off to cannabis brands. How do you build that relationship? That's what Leafly is here to do. We're here to build the trust gap for brands and consumers and to connect them. And the more tools that we can bring to brands, the more trust that consumers can develop in the licensed industry, we think that's great for the overall ecosystem of licensed cannabis. And so you guys have announced that you're expanding an advertising tool for cannabis brands. But before we get into how Facebook and Instagram and even Twitter have been canceling people in the industry, um, I want to ask you up about educating folks because you have established um, this trust factor and you've, you've adopted or taken on the Indica Sativa hybrid uh, in terms of, of how you describe cannabis, but as things are evolving and maturing, um, some have described that as lazy marketing and, and they're not targeting anyone specifically, but at the same time, it's very difficult to try and market as saying something that your brand uh, helps with um, pain or, or any ailment, right? And so there's kind of that, that fine line there. How do you guys, or how, how, is, how will Leafly describe cannabis? Um, and how do you feel about the Indica Sativa hybrid uh, names? I think, it, you know, it persists. It's been around for a long time in terms of the lingo of how we describe cannabis. But what we've been able, what we've been trying to really work on over the last several years to say, 
those distinctions, the phenotype of the plant itself is not sufficient. So what we actually do is take two steps back and say, actually, we need to educate cannabis consumers as to what actually matters, i.e. what's driving the effects, and start to really think about the plant and your purchase decisions around what effects am I looking for, right? Am I looking for, do I want to feel hungry? Do I want to feel sleepy? Do I want to feel energized? Um, and really, if you can teach consumers and educate them on how to think about the amazing attributes of this plant as driving particular effects, then I think we can say, yes, chemical, you know, the phenotype indica sativa hybrid exists, but let us help you dial in further and do the effects you're looking for by actually getting into the chemical composition of the plant, by actually talking about cannabinoids, right? THC, CBD, all CBN, CBG, and then the terpenes. Oh, and also let us help you understand, depending on the form factor, right? Edibles, <laughs> drinks, flour, concentrates, you may also experience your body metabolizes those things differently. So for us, it's really, how do you take what is the amazing complexity of this plant and make it simpler for consumers and meet them where they are in their journey? So I think, I, you know, I'll be the first to admit, we did try a very, over rotation on trying to eliminate the indica sativa hybrid, but that's a part of the culture and how do we have the conversations and then add layer to the indica sativa hybrid descriptions to help people understand that this is really about effects based shopping. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think maybe terpenes down the road with some kind of pictograph or some kind of imagery will help people figure out what kind of um, effects they're going to get. Um, hopefully with limited FDA um, involvement. And, and speaking of, on Friday, there was a big bill, Republican-led bill, that kind of introduced that, that opportunity. Um, are, are you jazzed at all about that? I know you guys aren't publicly traded yet, but it looked like a lot of the cannabis stocks saw a, a decent little pop on Friday. I haven't looked this morning quite yet, but kind of anticipating some... Um, some movement there before that some profit takers come and take some money off the top. What is your take on that bill? Is it just another bill in, in the movement that there's, I'm not holding my breath, but it, I think it's a good sign. What's your take? Absolutely. Right. It's this recognition that I, what I call as the most bipartisan issue in the country today, the mm -hmm. mm -hmm. both sides support it. You see it mm -hmm. in the state legalization activity. So I, I think all of those, it's to me just proper acknowledgement of how popular support is for this plant. And to your point, am I hanging my hat on a particular date tied to federal legalization as a result of this announcement? Absolutely not. But I, I think what you, what you see is both sides of the aisle recognizing People want a pathway to this and how are we going to give it to them? And you can go back and forth about what are the political machinations around it and what, what's the calculus, but at the end of the day, and you see, I just think it's, it's great for the industry. It's saying we want a pathway to this. We don't like old policy. Mm -hmm. It's not working. And so you guys are creating some additional tools kind of helping lead that path towards legalization, one of them being that advertising tools for cannabis brands, since there isn't um, a dependable uh, 
a platform yet. So many of them, I mean, LinkedIn has been phenomenal, uh, at least for me with cannabis. They haven't really canceled a lot of people yet, uh, where so many other YouTube included. Um, tell me a little bit about the advertising tools for cannabis brands and how you're going to be helping them out. Yeah. So for us, it's about, it's all about our engaged consumer audience, right? We talked about sort of our content first, how we're really in market educating consumers even before legalization. And that's why we have 10 million monthly active users on our site. And for us, it's about building the ecosystem for licensed cannabis. It's that 10 million monthly active users that have brought over 4,600 licensed retailers on our platform and almost 8,000 brands. And for us, it's how do you build a platform? How do you build an opportunity for that connection between a brand and a consumer, for a store and a consumer? And if you can't do that in the outside world, let us create a space at Leafly where you can do that here. And it's about you know, giving brands, you mentioned our brand subscription product that we just launched in June. It's about giving brands the opportunity to get in front and center around consumers to tell their own story. To, and it's as simple as to provide their own imagery, to provide their own product description. And it's, you know, one of the key features is catalog control, giving brands the ability to control how their products appear in a consumer speed consistently. I mean, that's, you might say that's so basic, but at the same time, that's a critical opportunity for brands to engage and drive that storytelling and narrative with their consumers. That will expand into the ability for brands to advertise, you know, on menus in front of consumers' eyeballs. Like for us, helping brands create brand resonance with a consumer is a key part of what we believe is the value we deliver to brands on our platform, as well as consumers. Tell me a little bit about your own brand uh, and, and how you guys are going to deliver value. So you're going to be um, traded sometime in the fourth quarter on NASDAQ under the ticker symbol FL, or excuse me, LFLY. Um, and yet JP Morgan just basically banned all cannabis stocks from being traded. Do you have an opinion about that? Is that even relevant, just being one platform? I think it's. I, I think you cannot get too hung up on what's happening in that world, right? Like we know, we believe in the momentum of, of this industry. For a company like Leafly, a non-plant touching technology company that's eligible to be traded on the NASDAQ, we know we've got, we, we've always had these headwinds. But I look at the situation and say, these are bumps in the road. We know what this trajectory is. It's moving in one direction. And that to me is, hey, bringing, able to bring, you know, you talked about the trust, that brand, that consumer's place, that trust that consumer's place in the Leafly brand and the Leafly platform, to be able to bring an asset like this to the public markets at this stage, when we do have some significant tailwinds, that's big. We believe that that delivers value today. You know, we talked about the value that this platform generates, whether it's consumers and helping them through their discovery journey, whether it's licensed retailers to help drive orders from our consumers into their businesses, or for brands to get that connection, to create that connection with consumers because they can't do that in the outside world. Like we think there's an inherent momentum in this and we're just so excited about this next stage of our growth and maturation. Maybe you can unpack that a little bit. I want to know what kind of FOMO you're going to give all of JP Morgan's clients that aren't able to buy Leafly when it is traded, because you guys just had a, a report um, that you 
uh, co-wrote between Leafly and Bo Whitney of Whitney Economics showing that the U.S. cannabis industry is on pace to reach $25 billion in sales by the end of the year, which represents a year-over-year revenue increase of 35%, putting cannabis on track to be the nation's fastest-growing industry and making Leafly's brand subscription service more crucial than ever for cannabis brands. W- once you do go public, uh, maybe you can um, you know, describe to, to the audience um, how you're going to utilize that uh, that capital um it's getting cheaper and cheaper to to borrow and so what kind of value are going to be able to add uh from that exercise of going public yeah for us we've been so leanly staffed for the last several years and you know first and foremost when you're sitting in this seat you're evaluating all options in terms of putting capital on the balance sheet so for us having the right partner here has been critical merida capital who's the sponsor of this back you know they've worked with a ton of and some great ancillary companies non-plant touching companies so having the right partner in a transaction like this is critical but for us it's ultimately what's the right sizing for this and what are we going to do with it and i think that's the core of your question for us it's it's the permeation of that local marketplace. Like we have done so much on a shoestring budget in terms of building our presence. And this is a truly a local market business where you're working in regions. You know this, there's such a distinct local flavor to cannabis, whether that's the plant itself or how the industry is set up. And that's a function of state by state regulation. But for us to be able to be really close to our customers, whether that's the consumers in market, retailers in market, brands in market, and understand inherently that local flavor, and then go to market and serve them with that local lens, that's what putting capital on the balance sheet allows us to do today. And I think the other thing to think about is we all know that cannabis is so choppy in terms of the industry is choppy in its developments. The time it takes, because these are state captive, that even once you've legalized, you've got to plant that seed in the ground, has to be grown there, has to be processed there, has to be packaged, distributed, and sold all within the state. That just takes time. Mm-hmm. And so if you're sitting in this, you're working in this space, you're always sort of wait, it, it, it always takes longer than you would have hoped. It's always choppy at the outset, but we know that these markets reach their stride when they get to a certain stage of maturity. And for us, we see a lot of, you know, these legalized markets that are hitting, starting to hit their stride with big markets coming online with East Coast adult use lighting up. Like that's super exciting. Yeah, it's definitely going to take um, a lot more maturity in the markets along with um, the experience and the individuals. And it looks like you guys are adding or, or stacking to uh, that professionalism that, that's going to be required as you guys take that next step and go public. You guys have a, a relatively newer CFO that you've added to the team, Suresh Krishnaswamy, um, who has 25 years of global finance and tech experience. Uh, and over, he's going to oversee all of the finance operations and strategy. Uh, there's a lot of individuals that I see in the cannabis space that have a CPA and they're like, that's good. Whereas like maybe as a controller, that's fine. But then beyond that, you really do need a CFO. Uh, can you maybe explain why you chose uh, a, a CFO and, and maybe uh, Suresh specifically? We couldn't be more delighted about Suresh joining this team. Like you described, he's got 25 years of experience and he was, you know, Wall Street trader for many years. And he took a very intentional pivot where he got out of that and joined high growth 
regulated industries, right? His pivot to that. He's worked for, you know, big payment solutions provider remitly. He worked for Drift, an energy online marketplace. Like there are very intentional decisions he's taken in his career that really, I think, set him up to be a fantastic CFO for a regulated industry <laughs> marketplace. And I, I think that's, and he's someone who, you know, he was working with us for several months as a consultant and could just see the opportunity that was so readily apparent in this industry. So that's really important for us. We're really passionate about cannabis. We're passionate about the plant. We're passionate about this industry. So someone who can sort of take all of that experience, see the opportunity and say, here's how I want to dive right in, roll up my sleeves and get involved. Like that's what we have in Suresh joining this team. And I think it's, um, you know, I say this to actually a lot of the um, people who, who come to Leafly to work, like your decision to step in and work in this industry, that took a lot of courage. You're taking some risks. This is not the textbook, you know, first I go to school and I get my degree and then I go do this. This is, you, you kind of took an offshoot to come in this direction. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, or, you know, you could disagree with me if you want, but I think it takes that sort of person who's willing to see outside the box, who can see out beyond and say, yeah, we've got headwinds, but I'm really excited because I know which way this industry is moving. What's your opinion about Wall Street coming in? I know, I'm not saying Suresh is, is a carpetbagger, somebody who's coming in specifically looking for money. I myself am, have my own passion, but I didn't come into the industry until I knew that it was going to be an industry. I wasn't ever going to leave my Wall Street job and come into a gray market or illicit market. Right. I was only going to come in when I knew that it was, and I thought I was coming in late in 2013. <laughs> uh, so what do you have to say about, you know, skeptical people um, that look um, at individuals who who are coming from corporate America, maybe don't have the the cannabis experience, because we, we throughout this conversation we've been talking about how important it is to understand the industry. And so, if everyone needs, uh, let me say it this way: we're all born ignorant, but it, you have to work really, really, really hard to remain stupid. So, um, for those that don't understand the industry, what kind of response do you have for skeptical uh, people who think that anyone who's getting the industry is a carpet beggar and only interested in money? Well, you know, I would have to actually raise my hand and then say guilty. I'm a carpet bagger then because I, I joined in May of 2019. I came out of digital media and joined this. And what I found, and, and I think this goes back to sort of being rooted in mission. Like I came because of the mission of this organization. I have spent you know, the last two and a half years, there's every day there is a moment of learning in this industry mm -hmm. and understanding where it came from. That's where we actually spend a ton of time. I think, I, I think that would be a situation and anyone who walks in and thinks they can come in and sort of change things and just be this, you know, I, I think it really depends on the attitude that you show up with. And because I think if you can't, we talked about the complexity of the plant, the magic of the plant. If you do not have the respect for it, I think you will get washed out. Mm. But I think if you can come into this industry, you have a respect for the plant and you understand its history. And by its history, I would include all of its political and cultural context. Like this, there's a place for you here. 
but do not come in thinking you've got a mastery of this because wow, this plant will completely knock you on your rear if that's your attitude. Mm -hmm. And I think, so it really starts with that and understanding why does this have such, why has this persisted through a hundred years of prohibition, right? Mm-hmm. there's something about this plant that has pushed through all of these headwinds to get to where we are today understand that go deep on that and when you can actually respect and give it its due credit i think you do end up you end up probably where you are probably where i am completely in love with this plant and industry because of its complexity because of its color because of its opportunity that it holds mm-hmm yeah, I think the the fact that the U.S. doesn't have easy access to capital has created some maybe more altruism. Because although I come from finance and, and you're from the, the um, you were an attorney, um, but you understand the industry. And so the both of us saw opportunity, but both of us love the plant. Both of us continue to learn. Having said that, in Canada, there's a lot of speculation up in that markets. There's a lot more folks that are doing press releases. And I'm not saying snake oil, but they're going after easy money and not necessarily uh, utilizing the shareholder value in the way that they should, having written off $3 billion for Canopy, for example. Um, I think that's a, a huge red flags to the industry. And that's why there's a lot more people looking at the value, which is kind of one of the themes that we've been talking about and how Leafly is providing users and shareholders value because they're constantly looking to improve. Where do you see the industry heading um, and, and how is Leafly going to adapt to stay relevant? You a little know, crystal us- ball here. Well, I know. In terms of what other people are doing, like they all, I say this a lot to the team, like run your own race, know who you are, what are you delivering against? And for us, that's that emphasis on we will continue to serve whatever the evolution of this industry and what's happening around us. We believe we create lasting value by focusing on the consumer, helping them along on their consumer journey in cannabis. Like we are your cannabis companion And that, through all of this iteration, we always get this question, oh, what happens with federal legalization? What are you guys going to do? What happens when the non-endemics come in? We could sit and speculate to the cows component as to what that looks like. But what I do know will have enduring and lasting lasting value is that emphasis. The relationship that Leafly creates with its consumer will have lasting value. Mm -hmm. And as long as we continue to serve against that mission and purpose in our existence, that's that's how we create long-term sustainable value, notwithstanding all of the mm, theatrics, the churn, the drama, like you'll see us focus there. Mm-hmm. What is going to be the, the biggest change, um, do you think? Is it going to be like the Safe Banking Act? Will it be federal legalization? Although we both said don't hold your breath. What do you think like in the next 18 months is going to be... Um, maybe the, the biggest change for the industry as a whole? You know, there are just some basic things we need. Would love to see safe banking go through if nothing else, right? Like this is a, enough to your point of the capital constraints. To the, the, it, it's such a source of what I call the, when you work in cannabis, you're working with an arm and a leg tied behind your back. Mm-hmm. 
you know, we're an organization that, you know, we're, let, think about us, non-plant touching. We only work with the licensed place, love the licensed cannabis industry. We've been kicked off our ERP platform, our HR platform, our texting platform, our uh, payroll platform. And, you know, this is all a function of safe banking on that inability and or that ultimately this fear for service providers to work with our industry. This is an industry, you know, and I've worked with in multiple other ones, the, like such a heavy emphasis on compliance, right? Like the licensed industry, I've never actually worked in an industry where it is such a, it's a, it's a non-question. You're not fighting for it, right? Like it's, of course you, you, you operate, you know, two hands on the table, you've got to operate like that. Um, and yet we see this industry continuously penalized. And I think people are starting to really just see how absurd that is, right? In a COVID touchless payments world, this is an industry that is essential and had to operate with cash payments. Like, <laughs> come on, the absurdity just becomes too much. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think even being publicly traded on NASDAQ, one of the, the big board exchanges, is that going to give you, is that a carte blanche? Or you just tell your HR platform, no, you can't cancel us. We're traded on NASDAQ. I mean, it, I think for investors, they're going to look at that and be like, wow, that's impressive. But does that hold any street cred for any other bank or platform or anything else, do you think? We believe it should, whether it's the yeah. watershed moment where all the, you know, sort of chips or dominoes fall in line, yeah. I, I can't tell you, but like that, that's part of one of our points of going out at this stage, right? Like we are setting the foundation for this conversation. We are giving you this transparency. You need to understand how this licensed industry works. And they're going to be, I think, the really smart organizations that say, we get this, we understand where this is going. And we'll be super excited to work with them. Yeah, this is this is a big deal. And I don't know if a lot of people really understand that because they just hear, you know, SPACs going public or the OTC markets or, or whatever. But the, the realization is that you were on NASDAQ. That's a big board exchange with, you know, you're going to share the, the likes of Microsoft and Intel and, uh, you know, um, Tesla and some of these other really big companies that have gone public. Um, what does that mean to you guys, you know, the whole company as a whole, is this just a, another checkbox? You're like, finally, there we go next. Uh, or is this a, 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 a moment where you can stop, smell the flowers and really reflect on it? What is, what, what is the, the feeling behind this, um, watershed moment? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I wish we were stop, smell the flowers and enjoy yeah. the moment, but that is not how the pace of this industry works. Yeah. <laughs> you, you pause for a moment and you've missed that. I, I think it's a recognition of the incredible work that this team has put in for over a decade. I think that's what something something that people forget. Lisa's been around for 11 years. Mm. Um, you know, We are super excited to be one of the first out there in terms of consumer marketplaces and tech companies that are focused on cannabis. And, you know, I think the biggest either excitement and or responsibility is setting the tone of that conversation once you're out, right? You were talking to the market regularly. And for us to be able to be a part of both educating and driving that conversation, I do get super excited about that. Mm -hmm. um, what's, um, 
What are two goals that you guys have for 2022 and beyond in order to keep your first mover advantages? You know, for us, it's really, we're very, very excited about, we talked a little bit about that greater local market focus and what increased staffing allows us to do, really getting tactile, really getting in touch with our local marketplace, whether that's our retailers, our brands, our consumers. So you'll see us double down and emphasize that work. And it really, you know, to get super granular on that, it's how do you show up in market, right? It's not, cannabis is not a national product. So it matters how you're talking to your consumers in Illinois. It matters how you're talking to your consumers in Arizona. And what I'm really excited about is sort of pulling that thread really showing up as a local community partner. And I think that's what Capital on the Balance Sheet allows us to do. If I didn't say we were absolutely thrilled about East Coast, I would be lying. You know, we're expecting New Jersey Rec to come online by middle of 2022. We already have a great head start in those markets simply because we have readers and consumers who've been consulting Leafly for years. So really to be able to take them through that journey of saying, hey, you've been reading about strains on our website for the last decade, let us help you now shop for those strains at a local dispensary near you. That's super exciting for us. And then, you know, to cover off on another point we talked about, the investment that we can make in our product and engineering teams to really pull through the personalization and curation that we believe we're capable of doing with the IP and data that we have to realize what's been sort of a vision and to actually see that implemented, that's super exciting. Do you know just off the top of your head what the top markets are, where people are, um, where the most data is coming from, either downloads or um, searches? Where Where's your top market? And um, top articles. What, what is like the number one article right now that people are looking at? Uh, we have a persistent top article, can butter. How to make can butter. People want to know how to make can butter. And that one is like a long time favorite on our platform. In terms of what, well, you know, I, I, we don't generally talk about top markets in terms of traffic, it, but what I'll tell you is I'll share some interesting tidbits around where we see tremendous engagement on our platform that is surprising. Texas. Mm -hmm. As you know, Texas does not really have a legal cannabis program to speak of. Mm -hmm. But when you see that much consumer engagement around our content in Texas, what does that tell you? Huge interest. They're finding it elsewhere. Right. So, you know, for us, that data is super helpful. It helps us start to think about how do we talk to the local market? But I think from a policy perspective, it goes back to that momentum around this is the most bipartisan issue we have in the country. You have support from all parts of this country in favor of legalization. How do we make that a reality? You'll continue to see us advocate for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, so you should have support on, on both sides for um, your, your stock, LFLY, when it does go public sometime during uh, Q4 on NASDAQ. In the meantime, how can people get a hold of you? Where are you guys at? Are you guys on social media or website? Yeah, you could download our first and foremost. We were talking about the app. Download our Leafly app on... Um, App Store, as well as Google Play Store. And then you can find us on leafly.com. Perfect. Yeah. And I will have some of that in the show notes along with Yoko's awesome. um, 
LinkedIn if you want to contact her directly. So I think with that, we're going to roll this one up. I want to thank my guest, Yoko Miyasha. She is the CEO of Leafly. Yoko, thanks for being with us at the, the Talking Hedge. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey guys, Montal here. Inviting you to check out my podcast, Let's Be Blunt with Montel, where we have candid conversations about everything cannabis. We have over 250 episodes in our library, and a new show drops every single Thursday. So be sure to subscribe, and if you like what you hear, make sure you leave us a review.